I said, um, I said, you can't just ignore what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is my top priority now. I really want to do this. And he said, yes, I can ignore what you're telling me because no matter what you say, your actions reveal your true values. I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Derek Sivers is on the show today, and he really was not on my radar until recently, several months ago. I listened to a podcast episode where Tim Ferriss interviewed Derek, and immediately I knew this was someone I wanted to start researching and get to know better because I I was drawn to the way that his brain works. I was drawn to the way he thinks. And so immediately I started researching, um, went to his website, and sure enough, I was able to get Derek on the show. So I'm so excited about this. For a little background, although you will not hear Derek talk about this at all, he is the founder of a company called CD Baby, which really became um, the largest seller of independent music on the web with over $100 million in sales, servicing 150,000 musician clients, yada, yada, yada. Um, you won't hear Derek talk about that at all, really, but he does draw on his life experience, of course. And he's the type of person who challenges his own thoughts. He challenges his own thoughts all day, every day. And that's what made me so curious about him. He defines himself as a slow thinker, and we talk about that throughout the interview a bit because we live in a world where speed is everything, instant gratification is is held so high, and I think it's it's an interesting conversation to be had. You know, should we be slowing down a bit, thinking things through more? And so you'll hear Derek and I kind of discuss that a bit. He's definitely convinced me to start experimenting with that a little more. And Derek's take on why not now is unique. It's one we've never heard. And some of his suggestions in the way you view that question, I think will be extremely helpful and beneficial and beneficial for you to hear. One of the points that Derek really doubles down on is that no matter what you say, your actions reveal your true values. 
So if you think about your why not now idea, if you haven't acted on it yet and it's been quite some time, maybe you don't want to do it. Maybe it's as simple as letting go of this goal you thought you had. So we talk that through as well. And I encourage you to check out Sivers.org, S-I-V-E-R-S.org, where Derek recaps all the books he's read and he writes daily, pretty much. He also has a a new podcast that's actually, each episode's just a minute or two long, (laughs) maybe three. Um, And he encourages you to reach out to him directly. So definitely take a look at his site. All the information is there. And enjoy this convo, very different convo with Derek and I. We tackle the most taboo topics on the Why Not Now show. Oftentimes, you're hearing guests share things they've never shared before. In the spirit of things we don't typically talk about, you should know that the Why Not Now show is supported by Poopery, the original before-you-go toilet spray. It's magic. My friends at Poopery have literally taken the smell out of you-know-what. This pure blend of essential oils stops bathroom odor before it begins. Visit Poopery.com and Why Not Now listeners get 20% off with code Why Not Now. That's all one word. And you can hear the story about Poopery in our interview with founder Susie Batiste. That's Why Not Now, episode 28. Poopery is also available at Bed Bath & Beyond. Derek, welcome to the Why Not Now show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I am uh, excited to dive in, and also I, I want to touch on our prep process after we get through the first question because it's been unique and very valuable, uh, for me at least. And so let's hop right in. Can you tell me about a time when you had a big decision to make and you had to ask yourself, why not now? We'll dive into that day, that minute, that hour, that season, and kind of dissect how you did navigate from idea to action. Okay. Or not. Or not. Great point. Great point. (laughs) Um, So I really like to doubt things. Uh, Some people value consistency. I think I value looking at things from another point of view, but we, we could talk about that later. So my why not now moment uh, that we always begin with <laughs> is the day that I decided to sell my last company uh, called CD Baby. Um, I remember just by coincidence, it was my sister's birthday. So I remember the dates. It was January 18th that we had a handshake deal. Uh, I knew there was going to be a few more months of paperwork before um, before the company was sold, but it was basically done. Uh, and that night, I went to bed with just a clear head, like, wow, I'm I'm no longer Derek at cdbaby.com anymore. Wow. This is like, it was like 10 <laughs> years of my identity, right? So the next morning, I woke up, had breakfast, and then over breakfast, I had the idea for my next company. It's like, oh my God, I just had the best idea. And I did that wonderful thing where I just immediately jumped into action. I was like, oh, this idea is so good. I, I so want to do this. And I immediately just started like typing it up. I started like I opened up the database. I'm a, I'm a programmer, so I, I actually tend to start things 
from a database point of view, I'm like, okay, create table users, log in here, and then they're going to create a new account, this, and they're going to create a new project, and every project is going to have tasks. And for three months, I was on a tear, just like making this thing happen. I hired somebody as the manager. And after three months, though, before I launched anything, I had this realization that if I do this thing, my life is not going to change. I'm going to remain on the same trajectory I've been on for the last 10 years, which is just this like maniacal, single-minded focus on running a company and serving my clients. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing that for 10 years straight, and it was wonderful. But I was really... I felt like I was at a crossroads where I could make a real change in my life. And so I made myself stop. Um, sorry, this isn't the why not now moment yet. That's okay. I'm a- no, I'm in it. I'm. <laughs> this, is, this is the flashback of, this is the, sorry, if this would have been the movie, it would have first had the little title screen that would have said nine years ago. Gotcha. I <laughs> so, love it. So everything I'm telling is like nine years ago. You know, people are dressed in their 80s clothes and, you know, there's a old something playing on the TV. So, um, <laughs> so I made myself stop, even though it went against my instinct and whatever. I said, I, I really am in the mood to make a real change in my life. I'm almost 40 years old. I feel like making a real change. So I started doing this deliberate process of saying no to things I used to say yes to and saying yes to things I used to say no to and just doing the opposite of whatever my instincts were. And I did that for a number of years and I made a lot of changes in my life. But the whole time, I kept telling myself, I really want to make that company idea happen. Like now that I've made some changes, okay, I'm feeling a little, I got that out of my system. I've explored the world. I've scratched itches. I really want to make that company happen. So anybody who knows me heard me talk about how I really, really, really want to do this thing. You know, that company idea I had back on January 19th, 2008, (laughs) I really want to make that happen. Like, that's really a top priority of mine. But as soon as I finish these other things, I I just got to, you know, I just got to, whatever, make dinner and do whatever. And then tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow. No, tomorrow. (laughs) God, I love tomorrow. Remember that song? Remember the uh, the musical Annie? Tomorrow, yes. tomorrow. We should make that like the uh, the Amy Jo Martin theme song. <laughs> Do it now, podcast. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. The antithesis anyway. of why not now? <laughs> right, right. Um, you'd have to do the instrumental version uh, behind the scenes to so just see who actually catches the subconscious. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Is that, am I wrong or is that the melody for the song Tomorrow? Okay, anyway. So, um, So after nine years, 10 years or so of saying, I really want to do this thing, a dear friend who knows me really well about a year ago heard me say like, okay, well, now that I've finished my book and now that I've finished this, now that I've finished that, now my top priority is to finally make that idea happen. I really want to do this thing. And my friend said, no, you don't. I said, the hell I don't. I was like... (laughs) I said, um, I said, you can't just ignore what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, this is my top priority now. I really want to do this. And he said, yes, I can ignore what you're telling me because no matter what you say, your actions reveal your true values. And mm. I said, mm, 
I don't know about that. I said, what? No, hold on a second. I said, that's not true. I said, what about those people that really do want to quit smoking? They're just having a really hard time with it. He said, then they don't really want to quit. If they really wanted to quit, they would do it. I was like, I said, okay, well, hold on. What about people that really want to lose weight? Like they're overweight. They really want to lose weight. This is really important. They really do want to do it. They just haven't done it yet. He said, if they really wanted to, they would have done it by now. He said, sorry, this is just, you, we've all felt the difference between, yeah, I'd like to, yeah, I want to, and shutting up and actually jumping out of your chair and doing it and making something happen. There, there are things that happen in your life that make you jump up and do it right now without telling people, without writing it as a goal, without affirmations in the mirror, whatever it may be. You just do it because you want this more than anything. It's more important than eating lunch, you know? Mm. And so I, I got to admit, he changed my mind on that. Like I, I realized, I kind of, went, okay, you know, thanks. And I went and reflected that evening and I was writing in my diary like, huh, actually there are a whole bunch of reasons why I don't really want to start that company. For one, it's very labor intensive. It was very... It was very much like a customer service company. Like once I started, I am really on the hook to my customers. Like mm-hmm. I can't just you know disappear for a month. It's it was a service business idea that would require me to be on call. Very dense. And yeah, there were yeah, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of reasons why I didn't actually want to make it happen. But in theory, I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in practice, I didn't. God, that idea just comes up over and over and over again. The difference between in theory and in practice. So. This whole process, so this is it. That that was my why not now moment. But it made me realize a couple things. That for one, if your words are disagreeing with your actions, like if you're saying you want to do something, but you're not actually doing it, I think there are two smart reactions to this situation. Uh, Either number one, stop lying to yourself and admit your real priorities Or number two, just shut up and start doing what you say you want to do and see if it's really true. Because I think a lot of things just are nicer held in theory. Mm -hmm. Like like I I like daydreaming. Daydreaming is fun to just like lie down on the couch sometimes and just daydream. Like where else would I like to be today? What if I was here, (laughs) you know? Or what if I was doing this other thing? Sometimes it's just nice to close your eyes and daydream. Like, for, I'll just pick a specific example because I was thinking of it two days ago. I was thinking it might be really nice to ride my bike across New Zealand. Like, I, I, I lived in New Zealand for seven years. I'm a New Zealand citizen. I love cycling. I think I might want to really ride my bike across New Zealand. And I sat there daydreaming about it for a while, and, and that felt really nice. And of course, it was only maybe five or 20 minutes later before I realized, oh, right, the actual reality of cycling across New Zealand involves often being on highways with trucks running by you and riding in the rain and freezing and your third flat tire in one day. And (laughs) like, yeah, maybe you don't actually want to do this, but man, it's really nice in theory. So yeah, so sorry, point number two, like reaction number two to this situation was you start just make yourself shut up and start doing what you say you want to do and f- see if it's really true because maybe it's not really true. And then you could 
just admit, kind of recategorize it as a really nice daydream. Because, and this is the grand conclusion I was getting to, it's the, I figured out that goals are here to shape your present moment, not shape the future. The, we often think of goals as something that exists to shape our future. But a good goal is something that drives you to take action in the present moment. Like, not to get new agey, but it's like the present moment is all we really have, right? Like, mm -hmm. the, the past is the term that we call our memories. The future is the term that we call our imagination. The thing that's really real is the present moment. So if a goal doesn't change your actions in the present moment, then it's not a good goal. No matter how impressive it seems or how nice it is in theory, if it doesn't make you take immediate action, then it's not a good goal. Mm. And I find that getting rid of goals is freeing. Well, it, oh, there's so much here to, to like <laughs> Sorry, double down on. I'm like, double click, double click. Um, I'm one of those you say like, hey, Derek, how are you? And I'll sit you down and give you a 20-minute answer. <laughs> no. That was like my way of saying hi. Well, but, well, hello. Hello. We've, we've, we are on now. So, okay, I have so many questions for you. I just love this relationship that you've surfaced between why not now and really good goal setting or, or identifying if, if it's a good goal. If it doesn't make you take immediate action, it's not a good goal goal. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And where does fear come into this? Where does I'm scared fit in? For me, I think fear should be heeded. It should be paid attention to. It shouldn't be ignored. I often get emails from strangers. Um, for some reason, this common question comes up. Or like, how can I get over my fears? And I think they're disappointed in my answer because my answer is don't. <laughs> like, if you're scared of something, pay attention to that. I found it really interesting when uh, psychologists, uh, who wrote the um, Thinking Fast and Slow? Daniel Kahneman. Uh, Daniel Kahneman's this Nobel Prize winning uh, psychologist. And he and many other very smart psychology people have said repeatedly that when people are depressed, their worldview is actually more accurate. That most people are over-optimistic and people, when they're depressed, actually have a more realistic view of the world, which is a really weird, strange, concerning fact. <laughs> right. So I think that fears aren't something we should get over. I think fears are actually probably a attempt, when we're feeling our most scared, it's probably a temporary glimpse at reality. Mm -hmm. It's not an encouraging thing to feel. It's not a very uh, helpful thing if you're considering helpful. Uh, if you're defining helpful as something that makes me get up and go, then it's not helpful. But it can be helpful if you address it. And that's, I don't know, that's the word that mm -hmm. I use. So when I, when I, that's, if you were to do word association, you say fear, I think, uh, address it. Mm -hmm. um, Interesting. You, you list out your fears and you say, okay, what am I actually scared of that? Let me, let me address those fears one by one, let me mitigate the downsides that I'm scared will happen. And ideally, I'd like to get to a point where even my depressed, pessimistic, scared self would have to admit 
that the odds are in favor of this thing working out for me. Interesting. So the, there's a sense of information. Fear is informative and helpful when you address the fears one by one. And so to kind of back up here and before... I'd love to talk through the process we went through um, in kind of, I guess you'll call it prep for our conversation and how you do consider yourself a slow thinker. And when you say, when a friend says something interesting to you, you usually don't have a reaction until much later. And and so I'm going to bookmark that for a second, but my curious mind will not let me forget to ask with this company idea that you had the day after you knew you were exiting your company nine, ten years ago, is there a reason why—so you you mentioned that what was really stopping you, why not now, was because it was, it was service-based. It was going to be heavy, maybe not give you the map freedom that you wanted. Did you feel that you couldn't outsource those types of things and still have a piece of that— romantic kind of passion fulfilled of this idea or was it kind of just an all it sounds like it was an all or nothing um but why wouldn't you still maybe move forward with the idea and and potentially glean the components that you are interested in versus decide okay this is not for me i think it was kind of like my new zealand cycling mm. example where i think the the three months of work I did to to make that company happen, like for, starting from the minute I had the idea, I did like literally like gasped and ran over for my ran and dropped breakfast and ran to my computer and started typing. I think that was the equivalent. We'll just keep using the metaphor of cycling across New Zealand. Okay, <laughs> I think that was the equivalent of somebody going down to the bike store and and loading up on gear and then reading a bunch of books or watching a bunch of videos about the, the beautiful New Zealand. It was all kind of, it was still all detached from the reality of it, from the things like the rain and the flat tires, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Uh, heavy winds and such, um, not being able to find a place to sleep or something like that. I think what happened after three months is, yeah, I was hit for the first time with going, Oh right, customers like demands, people getting upset at me, and you know I think I do. My approach to business has has never been arm's length. That that's one. Mm-hmm, I did mm-hmm. this book called Anything You Want. Um, I never intended to do a book, but Seth Godin started a book publishing company, and he called me up and said, "I'd like you to be my first author." And I went, "Okay, okay, Seth, whatever you say, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yes, sir." <laughs> you say, Seth. Yeah, so Seth picked the cover. Seth named the book. I just wrote the contents, but it was because of him that that book happened. But um, so in it, I guess I talk about how my approach to business has never been this hands-off. It's mm-hmm. never been something I did for the money. It was always very personal. I kind of see it like art. Mm-hmm. The way that I approached my songwriting or whatever as a musician, I don't see creating a company as that different from creating a band. You know, you do it because it's personal expression. It's an extension of yourself. So to me, if I were to start this company idea I had, it would be an extension of me. And if customers were upset that the company wasn't fulfilling its promises, I would take that very 
personally, mm-hmm. it would hurt. And, and so, yeah, it's it's okay. when the idea hit the hit the air, you could say, or you know, when um, sorry, I, I often think of the metaphor of airing out ideas, you know, like putting something out into the sunlight. I think of that with my writing too. When I've written something and it's kind of it exists in my on my laptop only and then I put it out into the world. It's like you you air it out. You you see it in the sunlight, you know. So once this idea was kind of out in the sunlight and I realized um how on the hook I would be to customers, um it stopped me. But yeah, that's that's why I couldn't just mm-hmm. outsource it. Um that that makes I do. It makes a lot of sense, and it's just, it's kind of just down to the systemic, the way you operate, and it's self-expression. And okay, thank you for answering that. And to kind of go back and shed some light on, um, well, first of all, I I heard Tim Ferriss interview you, and I was just so I, I immediately went to go look at your website and your list of books because for those of you listening. Derek is an avid reader, and he he takes notes on everything he reads and then shares them and ranks the books, and it's it's an amazing curation and such a good way to decide what you want to read next. And I've read a few books since uh, listening based on on your site and just your summaries and notes. Cool. Um, yeah. But, you know, we started connecting. I think we connected over Twitter because I— made some comment about how your voice like is just I could listen because it's just a, a soothing, awesome voice and it reminds me of <laughs> Matt Mullenwicks from um who's actually been on on the podcast as well. And and as we started kind of bantering back and forth, you had mentioned you'd love to to dive in to the discussion and the topics that we would be um exploring on the show prior. So What's ironic is just last week, I, I work with a variety of female entrepreneurs, and, and last week, one of them was talking about um, preparation for this podcast she's launching, and she asked me and said, do you have discussions with people prior to them coming on the show? And I said, you know what? Out of more than 150 episodes, I've had two, and you are one, <laughs> and actually Kenny Tomlin's the other, and I've I've only had two people request that, which got me thinking and and really exploring more about the preparation and the pre-thought. And so just kind of as you're listening and you're tracking along here, we started, I started a Google Doc for Derek and I. And I really just wanted to to talk a little bit about your your approach to this type of of thing and your slow thinking kind of process because a it's it's oddly rare um, in my experience so far and I wonder if we are putting sometimes too much romanticism around spontaneity in conversation yes okay so let's dive in you can start wherever you want but there's a softball your way um, because we do have a Google Doc here and your first answer to why not now which we'll get to because I do want to just rattle those off, is much different than your second, and your second's much more interesting. So, okay. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm tossing the ball your way. <laughs> God. I mean, sorry. This is such a pet subject of mine that um, I'm going to have to – it's one of those things I could just talk about forever. Okay, so I, I – re- as I said earlier, quickly in passing, I really like – 
doubting things. Like I write a lot in my journal. Um, I reflect a lot. I, to me, I think everything I've ever really learned, I've learned in reflection. When you first take something in, it's just information. And unless the information somehow blew your mind, it's just information. It's, it doesn't really become wisdom until you reflect on it and you connect it to the other things in your life. And you ask yourself what you feel about this or do I really believe this is true? Am I just going to echo it back as I heard it? Which a lot of people do. It, it, mm-hmm. Sorry, it, it annoys me when you read a... Uh, nonfiction book that's all just, you know, he said, she said, this famous person said this, and that person said this, and this great philosopher said that. I think, well, don't just echo. I don't need somebody to, if you're echoing, that's just, I feel like that the reflection stage hasn't happened yet. If you're just echoing, telling me what you heard, well, then you haven't really internalized it yet. You haven't taken it into yourself and connected it with the other aspects of your life. So I spend a lot of time in my journal reflecting on what I've learned. And whenever something feels like an indisputed fact, I write a second time with a question mark. So Mm. if you catch yourself saying, well, of course, such and such, then you you write it a second time. You go, of course, (laughs) such and such. Is Is that really true? Now, what if that were false? Could it be false? Why do we think it needs to be true? You know, like, um... Sorry, I'm saying we because we're talking, but it's more of a private eye, of course, in my diary. I'm never trying to figure out what other people should do. I'm just doing this all for myself. So yeah, that's what happened with your why not now question is it was kind of assuming to me this idea of you were procrastinating from your true calling, from the thing that you need to do. And if you just get over your mental hurdles then you need to do this thing. So at first, of course, I had fun and wrote down a whole bunch of answers to why not now, but they were all, they all had that base assumption. And then I thought about it a little more and I put a question mark that, on that. Well, I guess a second question mark. <laughs> um, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, maybe you don't really want to. Maybe that's why not now. So maybe you shouldn't. Um, maybe you should let it go. Why do we assume that just because we had an idea once that we need to follow it through? Um, maybe we should let it go. It can be really freeing, you know? I mean, Marie Kondo talks about getting rid of old clothes. What about getting rid of old goals? I think it's so liberating to let go of old goals. I'm sorry, I got distracted. You wanted to talk about the, uh, you know, the uh, no. slow thinking too, but oops, I'm back to you. But you're doing, uh, you're actually, <laughs> no, this, I mean, that's the name of the show. We can spend the whole time on it. But, but as you're talking it through, you are answering that question because I'm just going to rattle off some of your first answers to why wait, not wait, wait. now. Oh, no. I, how about okay. this? Ask me why not now and I'll give a few and then ask me again and I'll give a few. Okay. Okay. Hey, Derek. <laughs> Why not now? <laughs> because tomorrow is better, and I haven't thought it through entirely, and I haven't finished answering my emails, and there's other stuff I need to do today, and I didn't get enough sleep last night. And let's just face it, Monday is a better time to start a new habit. And in fact, the first of the month is really the best time to make something happen. And in fact, look where we are in the year. January 1st, mm. that's when I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's why not now, because January 1st is coming, and that's why I'm going to do it. And that's me again. Hey, Derek, why not now? 
Because I need new photos first. I haven't <laughs> picked a good name for the new project. I've got the idea, but I mean, look, also my kid needs, I've got a kid. I mean, my kid's obviously more important. And also mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my best friend is going through a really hard time. And honestly, it's kind of exhausting. I'm just, I'm drained. And I haven't finished the other stuff I started. And it's freezing in here and I got to eat first. And I'm in a bit of a foul mood. The world hasn't been very nice to me today. Um, do you want to ask me again? Hey, why not now, Derek? Why not because now? Let's not be hasty about this. <laughs> why the need to jump into things? There are a lot of things to consider first. And besides, the whole stock market seems like ready for a correction. <laughs> and I think I'm going to move next year. And I want to lose weight first. I'm not feeling my best right now. And I have a bit of a stuffy nose. And there's like a cold coming on. And let's just see what happens with the next election. Because I think that's going to change things. But really, there are other things that are more urgent. I'm still thinking it through. I need to run it by some people first. And you know what? I need to follow my gut on this one because my gut doesn't feel ready yet. And procrastination is a natural filter. If I want it bad enough, it'll happen. And do you want to hear the best reason of all? Yes. You have to ask me one more time. Why not now, Derek? Because the longer you wait, the smarter you get. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I outsmarted. Okay, can I just first highlight that I need new photos first? That one... That one. And then I think food is involved here. I'm seeing a theme, you know, because if you look back at what you mentioned earlier, it's more important than lunch. If you know you have a good goal and you've literally, it's more important than lunch. But if you're making the excuse that you have to eat first, it's just a really good sign that this is not a good goal. Uh, So I think food is very interesting. Okay, now let's go to your phase two after some thought of why not now, because that was, that was the obvious, right? The first. Um, and so do you, and, and just to ask, did you stop then and take more time, put down the pen or, or stop typing and, and go do something else and then arrive at, at this next wave? How does, what's the distance or what's the, the time lapse there? Um, no, it wasn't a much Time. I'm honestly. I spent some more time thinking about pirates and ninjas <laughs> and who has more fun, which we have to get to. Show. Okay. Um, so no, I kind of I spent some more time just thinking, and then I was like, nah, you know what? Okay, I, I was giving the cute, fun answers to your why not now, but then it, yeah, it did just kind of make. I think it's just a natural thing to me uh, where I ask a question for a while and I can't help but question okay. the question or question the statement or question the assumption. Interesting. Well, and I, I think that just in conceptually, this is this is important for us to, to hear. You know, the uh, taking time to give things more thought and to to question and to doubt. Um, I I don't know if you're familiar with Colby. It's kind of like Myers Briggs or the the. Um, it's a personality test. Oh no, I didn't know that one. Okay. Anyway, there's there's one category. There's four categories. One of which is called Quick Start, and it's like the innovate innovation category. And I'm a, a ten out of ten, and it's. And it's interesting, the woman who was kind of explaining the consultant that was reading back my results and explaining to me, she's like, I rarely, I think I've met like three tens in the 20 years I've been doing this. I'm like, what? And what I found is I can often false start because I'm so quick to start. And so this process that you (laughs) are kind of highlighting is so valuable. And I, I just think it's, it's worth us taking more time. Um, okay, so... 
So the, here's another angle to it, is that I know that I'm in a bit of a role as a content creator or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't like that term, but it's just kind of the normal term. Whenever, if I'm doing an interview like this, you know, you and I are putting something out into the world mm-hmm. and we're going to tell a lot of people that they should stop what they're doing or they should take the time to listen to this. So I always want to feel that whatever I put out into the world is worth someone's time. And if I'm just saying the same stuff they've heard already, I, it's hard for me to feel it's worth their time. right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I have to be adding something new that hasn't been said already. I don't want to just... You know when you just... Like I said before, when it's just if it's just more information, then nothing's really changing your mind. There are plenty of books that I've read that I just kind of went like, eh, yeah, okay, it gave me more information, but it, nothing really changed the way I think. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also me trying to live up to my role as, you know, somebody putting something into the world. I'm trying to find the unobvious angle. And it's it's realizing that if somebody asks you a question and you answer too quickly, I think your your answer is not thoughtful. I think it's just an a reaction, usually an outdated reaction. It usually means maybe you thought this through long ago. Mm. And now you're just giving this rote answer whenever somebody asks the question. Seven times four, 28. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. are you sure? Have you counted lately? Maybe it's <laughs> changed. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, so yeah, it makes me just want to stop and ask myself if these things are still true. Um, I, I don't remember this, but somebody, a, a conference organizer, recently told me that when I spoke at his conference years ago, he, he his favorite moment was when somebody from the audience asked a question about how can I grow my business? And he said, do you remember your answer? I said, no. <laughs> he said, I'll never forget your answer. It cracked me up. I said, what was it? He said, your answer was, well, why do you want to grow your business? That doesn't sound very fun. Uh, are, your, are your customers asking you to grow your business? Well, no, then why, why do it? And he said, you just blew that whole question apart. And I didn't, you know, it, it was anonymous to me, but it, it was flattering that that meant a lot to him because that was, he felt that was something truly new and fun instead of yet another answer to how, you're grow, how to grow your business. Mm. Why don't we just question the whole assumption? Why do we think we always need to grow our business? Mm. I, I actually want to to touch on that in a second because I have a follow-up question for you as well. Um, and before we go there, it, a lot of a lot of people listening are considering a pivot in their career. And I'd love to sh- I'd love to hear what you have to say about this concept of pivoting and people who are wanting to pivot and you know, having somewhat touched on this subject prior, my question to you is, you know, what advice would you give someone who is looking to pivot their career? And your feedback was, what's looking to? <laughs> and I thought, yes, it's a great, it's a great point. I mean, I, I get what you're, but it, I think there's, there's a lot of emotion in that phrase of looking to or lack of, but share your thoughts and, and even your tip because it's, very unique and tactical. Oh, that okay. Um, I actually had more time to think about this since I 
sent you the email. So first, yeah, we've let's take two things we've mentioned earlier in this call and apply it to this. That first, maybe if you've been thinking for a long time that you want to make a change in your career, you need to make a change in your career, you're looking into starting to make a change. <laughs> maybe you need to think, maybe you need to um, say, okay, maybe I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just a plan you need to let it go. And man, that might be so liberating. Like there, there was a while, there was a point in my life where I kept saying I was going to move. Uh, I want to leave this place. I'm going to move. I'm going to move. I'm going to leave this place. I'm going to move. And at one point, I remember just one day I thought, mm, maybe I won't move. Maybe I'll just stay here. And then suddenly, I, like I literally gasped. I was like, oh, that would be so exciting <laughs> to just stay here. Oh my god! And not have to move all this, and I could just stay here, and I could. So it's like I was like, wow, why did I not consider this idea before? That just staying here and not moving. I was like, oh my God, this is way more exciting now. Wow, I just didn't consider not moving. So, so that's one thing. Consider not pivoting your career and think about how exciting that could be to not and to just look at your situation and decide to make the, the best of it or look at all your advantages. A bit of, you know, do some gratitude, um, take the gratitude point of view about your current situation instead and- of the... Grumble. Yeah, and gaining more space, right? In our mind. Imagine the amount of space that takes to have a goal that you're not acting upon to get rid of your goals, to your point. How liberating. Okay. Yes. So then let's compare the cycling across New Zealand idea. Is it maybe changing your career is something that's nicer in a daydream? Oh, here's a perfect. Okay. Your listeners might like this. Years ago, just maybe like five or six years ago. I realized I was spending a lot of time daydreaming. But each time, what I thought, I, I didn't admit to myself I was daydreaming. So maybe I'm telling the story in the wrong order. I should say five or six years ago, I used to make lots of plans every day. Yes, this is a better way to tell the story. <laughs> I used to make lots of plans every day, very specific plans. I would suddenly get an idea. We'll just keep using the same one. Like, I'm going to cycle across New Zealand. And I would go, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And I would open up my diary and I'd start writing and I'd start doing research and I'd say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to cycle across New Zealand and I'm going to, and I'd make the list and the, you know, how I'm going to make this happen and uh, do a bunch of research. And then after say, whether it was a week or a month, the idea would kind of fade, but that's okay. Cause a new idea would show up. I'd say like, oh, I just had a great idea for an app oh my God, this is the best idea. And I'll just start making a plan how I'm going to do this app. This is a great idea for an app. I'd call my friends. I'd say, oh my God, Amber, I just had the best idea for an app. Listen to this. And she'd say, oh my God, that's a great idea. And I'd say, yes, it is, isn't it? I'd get all excited. And then after about a month, the idea would kind of fade and then something else would jump in. And friends would sometimes give me grief about this. They'd say like, oh, is this yet another one of your I'm going to do it plans? And I'd say, oh, I know, I know. Well, the last 25 haven't happened, but this one, you know. And so point is about five or six years ago, I realized I'm just enjoying daydreaming. And each one of these things, instead of calling them a plan from now on, I'm going to call it a possible future. 
and I'm going to completely indulge in this possible future as some kind of a middle ground between a purely daydream uh, and a specific plan. I'm going to in, enjoy that middle ground and take it for what it is. So I started a folder on my computer called Possible Futures. And each time I have one of these ideas, instead of putting it in today's plan, I open up a new fire, file in Possible Futures and I write down all the details about how I would make this happen if I wanted to. And then I can just leave them there. I review them every now and then. I look through and I go, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. And every now and then, I make one happen. So this is a real specific concrete one, is that um, about yeah, three or four years ago, I had put aside a few weeks to finish a programming project that I thought would take me another three weeks to finish. And um, my kid and his mom were were out of town for two weeks. I was like, okay, I've got three solid weeks to work, two weeks with no daddy responsibilities. And after four days, I finished. I was like, whoa, that went way quicker than I expected. Programming is like that sometimes. Sometimes things take way longer than you expect, sometimes way faster than you expect. It was way easier than I thought. And suddenly, I was like, I have two weeks of free time. And I opened up my possible futures folder. And one of them was to do uh, three of the uh, the official great hikes of New Zealand. I was living in Wellington, New Zealand at the time. And New Zealand has nine hikes that the government has uh, labeled the official great hikes of New Zealand. And there were three in particular that I wanted to do. And I opened up this possible futures at like three in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And I was like, yeah, now's a perfect time to do that. I'm going to do it. And I called up the uh, the tour company. Um, first I went to their website and it said that like leaving tomorrow, there's one slot left. Like usually you have to book these things a year in advance, especially if you're like a group of four. But if you're a single person, sometimes there's a single gap. And so I called them up and I said, is it true that you've got one space tomorrow? And they said, yeah, man, if you can get here by 9am, it's all yours. <laughs> and so I called up Air New Zealand and uh, went and looked and it's like, oh my God, there's a flight leaving in 90 minutes down to Queenstown. I think I can make it. So I called back the the tour company. I said, save that spot for me. I'm, I'm going to the airline. I'm going to call you from the airport with my credit card, but save it for me. My name's Derek. Here's my phone number. And they said, all right, mate. And uh, I hopped quickly on the bus to the airport. I made the plane just in time, flew down to Queenstown, and I made it. And I went on like this like 10-day hike of the three of the, the great walks of New Zealand. And it was because I had written out oh. all this like specific plan in my possible futures. So wow. th- that's that is now their role in my life is I don't feel bad about indulging in my detailed plans. I've just now lab- labeled them as a possible future. And so coming full circle, sorry, I'm drawing a circle in the air with my hand. Coming full full circle back to your question, piece of advice for someone who is looking to pivot their career, besides considering that maybe you don't really want to, consider that maybe it's just a possible future and you write your resignation letter and keep it in your desk, plan out the details of exactly how you will do this thing, uh, do it wisely instead of impulsively or emotionally. Uh, and in the there's a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport mm-hmm. where he tells a great story. Uh, he studies people's careers and how people change or build their career. 
And he pointed to this great example of two lawyers he met, separate lawyers that didn't know each other, two lawyers that both wanted to quit their job as a lawyer and start a new career. And they did it two very different ways. One of them wanted to be a ski instructor, and the other one wanted to start a yoga studio. So the one who wanted to start the yoga studio uh, just decided one day she'd had it, she's going to follow her dreams. She quit her job at the law firm and opened up her yoga studio. The other one made it, decided to approach it smart and savvy. And she first started telling everyone uh, that she was going to do ski instructions. She started telling her clients, I'm going to take you on this ski trip. She started telling her partners at the firm about her ski instruction um, and she phased into it over a year or two until um, it was clear that her ski instructor idea was going to be a success, that it, it all of the initial enthusiasm had turned into real customers, it was profitable, it was already starting to go well, and then she quit her job at the law firm and her ski instruction business was a success, whereas the woman who had just impulsively quit and started the yoga thing, her yoga studio flopped because she didn't um, phase into it. So in the book, he calls it career capital. He said, you build up career capital. Think of it as, you know, saving up gold coins, you know, that version of that definition of capital. And when you want to make a pivot in your career, you spend it so that you can make a sideways leap, not start from the bottom. Mm -hmm. And he uses that example of the two different lawyers. Um, That's a good example. So, yeah, do it. If you still decide that you want to do it, plan it out in detail, do it wisely, but consider you might not really want to. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. If you are digging this podcast, please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. It just takes a moment and it means a ton to us. Also, after recording more than 100 episodes, I've created a bit of a cheat sheet on the top five things I've learned from renegades and how they get from idea to action, from dreaming to doing. I will email you the downloadable PDF when you subscribe to my newsletter. Just head to amyjoemartin.com and click on connect with me. Oh, I, I love the, the the tactical kind of actionable idea of writing your resignation letter and keeping it, you know, in your desk and also backing it up with, I just have this picture of an Evernote, you know, possible futures of a detailed plan <laughs> of what the plan looks like and and the phasing into it. It's um, because I think that first action just even the, the act of writing a resignation letter out, physiologically, you probably are getting some body intelligence that's cueing you into or cluing you into if you really want to do this or not. And the excitement fear versus the dread and the, I don't know, it's it's a really interesting exercise. How cool is that? I, I like want to write a, les- a resignation letter and I don't even have anything that I want to resign from, but I just want to do it just to try and see what it feels like. I resign from, I don't know, I'm going to resign from Podcasting. something. Yeah. <laughs> Had it with you. 
but then to see how you feel, like just, uh, yeah. Okay. So that's, thank you so much for touching on that. I keep getting this, this question in my mind. Um, and I think it might've sparked from something that, that you mentioned to Tim Ferriss when you spoke with him on his podcast about, and I, I, I might be piecing it together here, so correct me if if I'm wrong, and you might arrive there quicker than me. But so back during CD baby days, as well as um, thinking about when people ask you for advice about company growth, which you just touched on, like the whole idea of why do you want to grow your business, um, which is interesting because Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos, actually asked me that one time about ten years ago, and. I wish I would have listened closer <laughs> because it's a really good question. But so when people come to you and they're, or just conceptually, if, if someone's in this mentality of, I need to grow, I need to grow, which to me feels like a kind of a push and a force <laughs> um, versus that self-expression and that pull that it's more important than lunch feeling. What has been your experience and and maybe it's reflecting upon CD Baby, which we haven't even talked much about. And I'd love I'd love for the listeners to get some more color around that. Can you tell me about the two and and your philosophy of if you're in that spot where you feel like you need to grow something and push it? Maybe a better way to look at something, um, and just your personal experience with your own company that. Yeah, so I'm just going to stop there, and there's 97 questions in one. But, um, yeah, any thoughts on that? I think it is worth questioning, why do you feel you need to grow it? Is, is there something that you need to buy that you can't afford to buy? You know, can you, uh, do you, do you not have enough savings or something like that? Like, do you, if you really need the money, well, then that's one answer. Okay, I do need to grow my business because I really need the money. And if you really need the money, then okay, that's a good valid answer. But a lot of people don't need the money. They they feel the need to grow because it's just something we hear. It's like a cultural norm or some kind of uh, you that's how I get my value from society. I can't just not grow my business. I need to feel I'm growing in order to feel that life is getting better. I'd maybe ask yourself if now would be a really good time to look at the balance of your whole life. Maybe instead of continuing to amplify the thing you've already amplified, it would be time to um, look at the other things that are unbalanced. I think a lot of people that are experts in something or very successful in one aspect of their life are very fragile. They're like pedestals. They have this one thing in their life that is so much of their identity that they become really easy to topple. Mm -hmm. You know, if that one thing is not going well, then they just crumble like a pedestal. Whereas I think that if you have a lot of different aspects of your identity, well, then you're like a twelve-legged table, or you, you know, even two or three of the legs could break, and the table's still fine. If your business is doing well, but you're feeling a need to just grow, grow, grow it more, I'd ask myself if maybe I'm ignoring those other legs of the table because I just want to do the safe thing, which is the thing I know how to do instead of the scary thing, which is to you know, address my relationship or my health or my, you know, all these other things that I've been ignoring in the name of um, making my one pedestal higher, you know. 
so yeah, so first there's that base questioning to yourself, like, why do I think I need to grow this thing? Sorry, I think I might have forgotten the other aspects of the question. No, that was a and, big one to me. And, and maybe one area that, as a case study, with CD Baby, it, it seems that there wasn't a push. There wasn't a a need or an indicator that said to you, oh, I need to grow this. It just, it was happening, right? So it, Right. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, sorry. I, you just reminded me of the, the other half of your question. Okay, so the... When I hear people say they want to start a business, but they don't know what to do, I hear it as somebody saying, I want to wear a bandage, but I don't have a wound. Mm. Like, to me, a business is a solution to a problem. That If there's no problem, then you don't need a business, that you're doing it for others. I think a business is an act of service. It's, it's a generous act of service for people with a problem. And if the problem goes away, well then, lucky you, now your business can go away. Gotcha. You don't have to do this thing anymore. And so when, you're right, that is the other question then when somebody says, I want to grow my business, I think, well, are your customers asking you to grow your business? If, if you were to ask your clients, your customers, if they have a wish list of, of what you could do for them, I don't think any of them would say, please grow your business. Make it bigger. No, they, all of them would say, you know, here's how you can serve me better, not here's how you can serve yourself better. So if your customers wouldn't ask you to grow your business, then don't put any attention on that. That's not something you need to do. Just keep your focus entirely on the customers and solving their problems. Mm. And, and that's <laughs> with the, the romanticism around starting a company, getting funding, growing and pushing and grinding and chasing and grasping. I think that's such an important question to ask. And just what an indicator. If you feel like you need to grow your business, is that an indication for that you should be looking at something else, that, that there's something else going on? Thank you. Thank you for, for touching on that. Let's get to Pirates and Ninjas. I mean... <laughs> Yeah. I, we can't ignore the elephant in the room here. Okay. <laughs> why? Okay, will you tell me your reason why first? Oh, it's so... Yes, I will tell you that the kind of the root of this question and where it came from. So <laughs> my I started my first company in 2009, and it was, um, it was kind of the wild, wild west days of, of Twitter and brands and people trying to figure out social communication and how to make money off of it and all this stuff. But the algorithms were starting to surface, right? And these little monsters called algorithms. And all I knew is that you could warm up the engine a bit if you would ask a question and get people talking. And then you could serve them up what you really needed to share, say your message or whatever. So, so when you ask someone, pirates or ninjas, who's tougher, they have an opinion. Like, I learned people want to talk about this, and usually it's a very passionate opinion. So you could get the engagement going. You could get the conversation rolling. And so my theory, and I didn't know this for certain, but it seems like content would perform better if you started there versus just putting something else out there. So that is a very kind of vain and, um, I don't know if vain is the right word, but it was 
It wasn't, a, it's not a, as fun of an answer as you might have, have hoped for the genesis of the question. But here we are today. And I would like to ask you, Derek, pirates or ninjas? Who's tougher and why? Well, it's funny. I, um, my reaction to your question was like, I, actually, I, don't, I don't know. I have no opinion. I don't really care. I'm not sure what the, <laughs> well, I was like, I'm not sure what the origin of ninjas are. Like, who are ninjas really? I mean, I know they're like the shadowy guys that wear black, right? Or is it? Or is that like just some kind of like cartoony misunderstanding? So I had to like go back and read about the history of ninjas <laughs> and pirates and to understand like, what is the origin of, of this? And so uh, at least the impression I got um, of just nerding out for 20 minutes is that pirates attack ships and they steal cargo by boat. And ninjas were for like espionage and surprise attacks. And I thought it was interesting that they said that that whereas samurai would do things in the honorable way, and the samurai culture still continues in Japan to this day, ninjas were kind of the irregular, dishonorable ones. They would always act in secret, and they would get no honor or glory, and so they were usually anonymous. So I thought, to answer your question, that pirates act tougher. Ninjas don't act. They just get it done. So ninjas have to be tougher since they act alone. Like pirates need a boat and all that stuff, but ninjas just have to do their job without any um, social recognition. They don't get any of that identity or camaraderie, right? Like So pirates have the camaraderie they have the, the brotherhood. Apparently, oh, I, I hear that there's a fascinating book out there on the history of pirates. Um, <laughs> somebody told me that there's that the history of pirates is actually surprising. That in pirate culture, there are a lot of rules, and it's all about the brotherhood and the social reciprocity, and maybe mm-hmm. kind of like John Wick movies where there's a code of conduct and all this kind of stuff that everybody has to adhere to. Uh, somebody said it's a fascinating book. I, I've got it bookmarked somewhere, but um, so. I can imagine if somebody's a pirate, they get to flaunt their identity as like a renegade pirate. So it's kind of more shallow fun, right? You drink rum, you've got your mates around you. But ninjas act in secret. They don't get any social validation. And I thought of a ninja that's like at night goes out in secret assassin ways, but in the morning has to just show up to his regular job again. <coughs> so I thought that ninjas would must in their own mind, have to have a deeper intrinsic motivation to do what they do because they need to internalize their reasons why they're doing this. So my prediction is that ninjas are also more deeply happy. Um, mm. it's, it's more fun than fun. Gosh, this is deep. This is good. Do you think ninjas, they're just extremely humble and maybe they're e- pirates are the more ego- I don't, I'm I'm getting like Ryan Holiday's book Ego is the Enemy in my head and how he talks about do you want to be the important person or do you want to do do the important thing and maybe pirates want to be the important person and ninjas want to do the important thing but sneakily I, I I almost never watch TV but thanks to an old girlfriend years ago <laughs> one of the sh- few shows I've ever binged on was Dexter. Do you remember Dexter? No. Uh-oh. Okay, so Dexter was, it was like an HBO show for six or seven seasons. Dexter was a 
as a child, his dad, who worked at the, for the police, recognized that he had violent, murderous tendencies. He had a lust for blood. He killed rabbits or something like that. And so his dad decided to channel it. Otherwise, Dexter was going to end up in jail. So he taught his son the, the code of conduct, which is, uh, look, I can tell you're going to murder whether the world likes it or not. So you can only murder other serial killers that are causing the world harm. So Dexter became a serial killer of serial killers. He would kill bad people that the police system uh, was not catching. And then he got a, so his day job was to work in the police force in like forensics or something like that. And so he was offering in often investigating his own uh, crime scenes or something like that. Or, mm -hmm. you know, that's it. So I imagine the, uh, but it, so everything of course had to be secret. So I imagine the ninja would be like Dexter where it's like, maybe they've got their normal job as an accountant and, but they do have a lust for, for danger and mm. killing, but they're going to just do it in secret. Okay. Whereas Whoa. pirates would be like the serial killer that wants the attention Arc. or that somebody, yeah. you know, that wants the identity of like, look at me, look what I did. Oh, this is, this is, yeah, we could just have a whole an hour on this one. Oh my gosh. Do you know the phrase bike shedding? No. Um, it makes me want to look it up, but I don't want to like click while we're recording. Um, <laughs> bike shedding is what programmers call it when, uh, if you're having a big discussion about something deep and difficult, a difficult decision in programming, you know, how are we going to implement this database and its memory management or calls? If it's important stuff, it's hard to get people to take a strong stance. But when you get to something shallow and pithy and oh. kind of meaningless, like, and what color should we paint the bike shed? Suddenly everybody's got an opinion. Oh, it's safer. Oh. Yeah, so programmers call it bike shedding. I think I'm getting this story right. Um, so the the shallow, unimportant stuff everybody has an opinion on. So that's that's how <laughs> I, I was smiling when you were talking about like the origin of pirates versus ninjas. It's like, oh, bike shedding. First, ask them a bike shedding question. That's easy. Yeah, I love it. Okay, what's one lesson you find yourself learning over and over, Derek? We'll we'll wrap up with this question. Um, I think it's still the one I mentioned earlier about how actions reveal your true values. I feel that I'm still learning this as much as, you know, you hear me spout and I sound like I've got it all figured out. And um, I still like even uh, just a week or two ago, despite every other story you've heard me say here, I had two guitars hanging on the wall and a nice 88 key piano here, not, uh, you know, electric piano. And, um, Almost every day, I told myself, I'm going to put aside time to make some music again. And almost every day, I went to bed a little disappointed that I didn't quite find the time to do it. And this was going on almost every single day for uh, the last few years. And just mm. like two weeks ago, I thought about that thing again, about actions reveal your true values. I said, you know... I keep saying I want to make music, but I'm not actually doing it, am I? So how about I just let go of that goal? And a friend of mine here in Oxford, uh, where I'm living, is a full-time professional musician. And I asked, like, hey, do you any need for a Stratocaster and a uh, 
Native Instruments 88 key keyboard. And he goes, holy shit, dude, are you serious? Oh my God, dude, I would love it. You're, you're going to give me your guitar. I was like, uh-huh. And I keep, oh my God, I was about to buy that keyboard anyway. Are you serious? You just want to give it to me? I said, dude, it's yours. And in fact, hearing you so excited, I'm going to give you my speakers too and my acoustic guitar. He's like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. And he's using it every single day now. Like he's making his living with the stuff that was just hanging on my wall that I wasn't using. I feel so much better now. I have let go of my goal of making music. And um, yeah, even actually just this morning, uh, not, nothing to do with our conversation, but this is just the kind of journaling nerd I am. I was asking myself this morning, like, what other goals can I let go of now? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, actions reveal your true values. I have to learn that lesson over and over and over again. I remember to keep applying it to uh, when there's a, a difference between what I say I want and what I'm actually doing. How's that for full circle? Love it. Love it, especially as we are getting ready to enter a new decade. What if we look at goal letting go of versus goal setting? I mean... Goal letting instead of setting. Goal letting, letting, yes. <laughs> goal letting. <laughs> there we go. It does roll tongue as well. Oh, wow. It has that, that triple there. Oh, wow. And I do want to mention your new podcast. Do you, want, do you mind sharing just a, a glimpse into what it's all about? Sure. It's basically just me reading my articles in audio <laughs> form. So Love I call it. it a podcast, but it just, it made me, of course, made me question the format. I mean, I'm glad that you're doing this, but I'm glad that I'm not doing this. I don't want to, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do the the conversation podcast form. I don't want to, I'd rather be the guest, not the host. It, fe- it feels to me like to, too much responsibility to kind of line up guests and scheduling and all that. So people have been asking me for years to make a podcast and a lot of people prefer to listen instead of read. But I put a lot, a lot, a lot of work into the articles mm-hmm. I write. Yeah, I'll like work for like 10 hours on one little article, even though it's just two minutes long. Um, I like crafting things. So when they're done, I just thought that I should also record an audio version of it. So yeah, if you go to my site, to sivers.org, um, you can either read it if you prefer reading or you can subscribe to listen to it. Absolutely. And just to to touch on one of the uh, podcast episodes, I'm going to call it that just because it is and that it's innovating, right? The the distribution um, that I so, listened you know, I to this morning. We didn't mention, sorry, that the, the average episode is only two minutes long. Yes. And I was about to because it's so good. You feel so accomplished. I listened to four this morning. But, but the one that uh, I just wanted to touch on, I know that we're wrapping up here, but the, on mentorship. So you you share your thoughts on what I can't remember the exact title, but it was basically how you get feedback from a mentor and the process you go through. And I absolutely loved it because I feel like there's a um, a bit of a oh gosh, a a freak out right now around mentorship. And I need a mentor to tell me how to do something, to guide me to this and that. And I think of my mentors, they will never give me any answers ever, ever, ever. And I rarely go to them anymore because I know what they would say, right? And so that was kind of the 
the gist of it, but it was, what, two, three minutes max? Maybe that one was even like minute 47 or something. And so, listen, yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, you want me to... You want me to say it? Yes. How to ask your mentors for help. Yes. <laughs> That's clickbait right there. <laughs> I have three mentors. And actually, this is, this is true. And Seth Godin is one of them. But anyway, I have three mentors. So when I'm stuck in a problem and I need their help, I take the time to write a good description of my dilemma before reaching out to them. I summarize the context, the problem, and my options, and my thoughts on each, because the goal is I want to make it as succinct as possible so that I don't waste their time, especially somebody like Seth Godin. I don't know if you've ever emailed him, but um, mm-hmm. he will reply to most emails. He, he tells people, please don't email me. But if you do, he'll often reply with just a few words. So I know that I need to make this as succinct as possible. So then before sending it, I try to predict what my mentors would say. Like most of them, I could just kind of figure out, okay, well, I know he's probably going to say this. So then I go back and update what I wrote to address these obvious points in advance. And finally, I try again to predict what they'll say to this based on what they've said to me in the past and what I know of their philosophy. And then after the whole process, I realize I don't need to bother them anymore because the answer is now clear. (laughs) (laughs) So if anything... I might just email to thank them for their continued inspiration. Mm. And the truth is, I've hardly talked with my mentors in years. None of them know they're my mentors. And one of them doesn't even know I exist. Wow. Powerful. I absolutely love that. Wow. Thank you so much, Derek, for sharing your your thoughts. I, honestly, I ever I just... From learning about you and then studying and following along in this conversation, you've really encouraged me to think differently and challenge my own thought process. And that's um, that's such a gift. And I'm sure many people listening will, will feel similar. And so thank you. everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. Hit me up on social media to let me know what you think. I'm at Amy Jo Martin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And I want to hear your why not now moments so I can share them on the show. Just send me a note to why not now at amyjomartin.com. For show notes and other offers, you can visit amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for my email newsletter for exclusive content and announcements. A big thanks to Rock Salt Music for all of the tunes by the talented John Coggins. And of course, a hat tip to Richard Gruer for editing and producing the show. I'll see you next time. And until then, why not now? Thank you.